bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, today, as we bow before your throne of grace, we thank you for mercy. We thank you that your mercies aren't new every morning. And today is a day full of new mercies. And we believe, as you would tell the Apostle Paul, that your grace is sufficient for us. Just to have your favor, Lord, that's sufficient. Lord, we thank you for that grace upon our lives. And that grace has provided salvation. Lord, salvation for our souls, salvation for our bodies. And a promise for the redemption, the salvation, the complete salvation of our bodies. Where we'll be changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. And Lord, no matter how many different ways that you, we see you manifest yourself. And Lord, the spiritual applications of that, we still look forward to that corporal return. Because there is nothing, there is nothing that can be a substitute for that. Lord, we look today for this new morning. May this be the day that the dead in Christ rise. May this be the day that we see our loved ones that are changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. May this be the day, Lord, that is maybe just another ordinary day, but becomes a very supernatural day as supernatural things begin to happen. And Lord, if this is not the day for that and still then we wait patiently for that coming with our hearts fervent and believing. But Lord, today in this service, we know we can ask for this, that there would just be another handful on purpose that you would drop among us until the day that we receive our full and complete redemption. Lord, we look to that today and ask that the angels, Lord, would just come among, walk these pews and drop in front of every believer, every believing child, and even those that are struggling with unbelief. Lord, thinking of their own unworthiness. More, Lord, may they today just see right dropped in front of them a handful on purpose of the grace of God moving in their lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. What a joy it is to serve the Lord today. Amen. And be in the presence of the great King of glory. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord and see each one that has assembled with us. We just pray the Lord's blessings upon your life in a, in a very wonderful way today. Um, i just going to let you have your seats just for a moment. As you know, many times along life's journey, we, we will turn into new pages into our book of life. And there's a couple of individuals today that have turned a new page in their book of life. And they have um, decided to join one another uh, in holy matrimony and to go forward together. And I'm going to ask that couple to come here today, Brother Micah and Sister Amy. 
bless you. They plan a wedding in the coming spring, and um, I think that's good and appropriate. Spring weddings is, is a renewal, and we just pray, Lord, for a, a great renewal in their life as they face this um, wonderful um, moment um, that's laying out in the future for them. May their future be bright and glorious. Amen. God bless you, and congratulations to you both. God bless you. Amen. Amen. It's wonderful when we see our young people and, you know, to, to grow up in the church and then find their, their mates and be a part of the assembly here. And we love Brother Micah. He's been a real gentleman, real servant of the Lord. And Sister Amy, we know her testimony as well. And what a, what a um, wonderful couple. Amen. We certainly thank, thank the Lord for them. Amen. Now, we, um, of course, still have our brother Amos laying um, there, and of course, the, the doctors, their report is they give him uh, really no hope, 5% chance of um, surviving, and, uh, but of course, we know believers can't die, right? We know that. And so we, uh, of course, are, as believers, we always do what the Word of God says, and that is we just keep praying and believing and expecting until God tells us no. And then if He says no, well, then we, like it. we love His no's as well as we do His yeses. Amen. And so right now, it is, uh, you know, as it was with Abraham, against hope, he believed in hope. So, you know, there was no hope for Abraham. He was past age, his wife past age. But he just kept testifying and giving glory to God. And, and um, so we today, we continue just giving God the glory and God praise and everything. Even if the Lord takes away, well, then blessed be the name of the Lord. We can't lose. We're winners either way. Amen. And so our brother Amos, just think about it last Wednesday night here, standing on his feet rejoicing and just, uh, you know, now just right close to the very edge of crossing over. And, and we don't know from one time to the next, you know, just uh, even from one service to the next, you know, what will happen or what kind of curves that life's, uh, life will bring. But, you know, the main thing of it is, is we be prepared to meet the Lord. And we also need to realize the... How, how precious one another is, and to make every moment that we have together count. You know, when, when you come to a moment like this, little doctrinal differences, they don't make any difference. You know, little uh, ideas, a little feeling, all of that all is gone. You know, now you focus on what's important. And why don't we just do that to begin with? Amen. Just instead of waiting for a moment like this, let's just focus right now on what's important. Amen. And each one of you are important to him. And Amen. God bless you. It's good to be together this morning. Let's stand as we read the word. I'm going to get right into the message this morning. We've got lots of things going on today. 
and um, just uh, um, just trust the Lord will speak to you in a very, very positive way and um, cause our minds to turn upon Him. Numbers chapter 35 and verse 9, um, and, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye become over Jordan, into the land of Canaan, then ye shall appoint you cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the slayer may f- flee thither, which killeth any persons at unawares. And they shall be unto you cities for refuge from the avenger, that the manslayer die not until he stand before the congregation in judgment. And of these cities which ye shall give six cities, shall ye have for refuge, and, and ye shall give three cities on this side of Jordan, and three cities shall you give in the land of Canaan, which shall be cities of refuge. And these six cities shall be a refuge both for the children of Israel and for the stranger and for the sojourner among them, that everyone that killeth any person unawares may flee thither. And if he smite him with an instrument of iron so that he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. And if he smite him with throwing a stone wherewith he may die and he die, he is a murderer. The murderer's shall surely be put to death. Or if he smite him with a hand weapon of wood, wherewith he may die, and he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. The revenger of blood himself shall slay the murderer. When he meeteth him, he shall slay him. But if he thrust him of hatred or hurl at him by laying of weight that he die, or in enmity smite him with his hand that he die, he that smote him shall surely be put to death, for he is a murderer. The revenger of blood shall slay the murderer when he meeteth him. But if he thrust him suddenly without enmity, and have cast upon him anything without laying of weight, or with any stone wherewith a man may die, seeing him not, and cast it upon him that he die, and was not his enemy, neither sought his harm, then the congregation shall judge between the slayer and the revenger of blood according to these judgments. And the congregation shall deliver the slayer out of the hand of the revenger of blood." And the congregation shall restore him to the city of his refuge, whither he was fled. And he shall abide in it until the death of the high priest, which was anointed with the holy oil. But if the slayer shall at any time come without the border of the city of his refuge, whither he was fled, and the revenger of blood find him without the borders of the city of refuge, and the revenger of blood kill the slayer, he shall not be guilty of blood, because he should have remained in the city of his refuge 
until the death of the high priest, but after the death of the high priest, the slayer shall return into the land of his possession. So these things shall be for a statute of judgment unto you throughout your generations in all your dwellings. Amen. God bless you. You can take your seats. We're going to speak this morning on the kinsman avenger. The law of retribution is also called the law of retaliation. It was a part of the Old Testament law that was given to Israel by Moses. Retribution was one of the cornerstones of Israel's penal code, and the punishment was always to mirror the crime. Um, the principle of the law is, is found, and you can look at it at a later time in Leviticus 24, that it basically says anyone who injures their neighbor is to be injured in the same manner. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The one who has inflicted the injury must, must suffer the same injury. And it even went right down to the livestock that was on their farms or the property that they own, uh, such as animals. Whoever killed an animal had to make restitution. But whoever would kill another human being was to be put to death. And of course, um, you know, under this penal code, it would be monetary damages that would be paid for killing an animal belonging to someone else. But... Like we said, if a person is murdered, then the murderer must forfeit his life in return. So it was eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, life for life. In ancient Israel, part of the law enforcement um, fell upon the family of the murder victim because they didn't have a police force in that ancient time. So kins, uh, kinship um, posses were, were called on to enforce the law. And so according to what we read in Numbers, that in some cases the avenger of blood, which would be the next of kin, would be charged with carrying out the death sentence and even sometimes tracking down the murderer if the murderer had fled. So this is why that God would put into Israel these uh, cities of refuge because there would be a place where the offender who had killed someone, would run to this city and then it would be judged by the judges of that city and, and find out if it was murder or manslaughter. If it was just simply a, a, an accidental slaying, well, he, his life could be spared as long as he lived in that city. If he was an intentional murderer, had an odd in his heart, and this could be proven that he had intentionally murdered his fellow brother, well then the kinsman would then put him to death without mercy. Now, so the near kinsman had a righteous charge. I want you to get this. This, this was a part of their honor, the part of their, the charge that they had as being a kinsman. And that righteous charge would um, be to avenge um, or repay vengeance for harm done to his kin. Or it would uh, even include redeeming his fellow 
brother from slavery or uh, even the land that he had lost to, to buy it back and to bring a restoration. Now, in order for there to be redemption, redemption has to begin with a loss, all right? So looking at the Old Testament law on the new, near kinsman uh, and that he would many times, uh, if he had the wealth and was willing to do so, he could pay for that unfortunate kin that had fallen so far into poverty and, uh, and, and been sold as a slave. And, and so he would redeem him and, and also his property. Even though he had lost it all, that God uh, uh, provided in his law a way that the land could not be sold forever. And even he was not to be sold forever, but he provided a way for redemption. Now, of course, this all looked back to the Garden of Eden where a man lost and he lost his possession. He was king of the earth. He was lord over the earth. And the earth was for him to subdue and to maintain and to make into a garden of Eden. And God would look back all the way to Eden and, and know that even though his son was lost, that there would have to come a next of kin to provide a redeemer to redeem man from the horrible fall into slavery unto sin. Now, of course, with Israel, the Lord promised that his people would obey the commands of the covenant, they would retain the land. And never again would they be captives of or slaves to another nation as they had been down in Egypt. And the land itself would be to them a daily reminder of the freedom and the blessings that God had bestowed on them. And the, the continued possession of each family's allotted portion of land was really, really important in that day to maintain their social st structure uh, so that God would then, he would uh, see to it that there were laws that were set into place so that no family could permanently lose their land forever. Yeah. I think this is, should be a very heartening to us today that no matter how long it's been, we already know that the kinsman is at work to bring us back to where we fell from. And that he's very conscious of this. Now, and because it is his honor, it is his righteousness which compels him to do this. Now, the Hebrew word for this um, kinsman redeemer would be called the goel, which means to redeem, to act as kinsman redeemer, to avenge, revenge, to, to, um, to ransom, to do his part as a kinsman. And um, as a next of kin, act as a kinsman redeemer. And in the case of Ruth that we spoke on last time, you know, was he would, there was Boaz being the, the near kinsman, would marry his, his brothers or his relatives' widow to beget a child for him in order to restore and keep that land in the family um, name and, and to have an inheritance. It would also um, make provisions to redeem from slavery, to redeem land, and then to finally to exact vengeance. Now, we know that mankind was lost, 
And he needed redemption. And redemption is the purchase of that which has been lost or sold into slavery. This is why he come to say, the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So that which was lost from him, that which was his in the beginning, is why that he came in order to be a kinsman, to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, so, um, you know, in the Exodus, we remember the, in the Old Testament there, the blood of the Lamb would purchase or redeem the life of the firstborn Hebrew children and, and delivered Israel from bondage down in, in Egypt. And of course, it was, it was foreshadowing and telling of a greater Lamb that would come. And this Lamb of God would purchase us with his own blood from the bondage of sin and death and deliver us to a new spiritual life in him. So the, the, the Lamb symbolically represented the Redeemer and his work as kinsman. And so when we see the book of Revelation and it portraying symbolically um, uh, the different symbols, it, it would represent this whole story of redemption by showing a lamb, a lamb that had been slain. And this lamb would, would symbolically represent the kinsman redeemer and his work. Now remember, as I've said, um, when we look in Revelation 4 and 5, and these are not, these are not a moment twinkling eye events. These are events that begins with one sitting on the throne having the question book in hand. Then the call for a kinsman and that, and, and to do that, the one on the throne would have to become the lamb. Amen. And pay the price of redemption. And then he would be slain and there intercede. And then he would go forth and he would take the question book of title in order to restore that which was lost back to mankind. And finally, it would conclude with all creation worshiping God. Now, so the book of Revelation portrays how that he would come and would take on flesh. You know, God had said, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. So there was a death sentence that was passed over all of us. And, and, um, and it's, he said, that soul is separated from me. And I'm just going to share some quotations from the church age book. And you know that I'm sharing this from the church age book. And you can go back and look at it. Um, where Brother Branham would talk about this on page 136, and I'll, I'll just share this part, and we won't show it on the screen this morning, but, you know, God looked down and declared, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. It is separated from me. It can't approach unto me. We know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That meant all died and all were separated. And one day a time would come that when even that bit of life would be snuffed out and it would be all over. But God in love, hallelujah, took an animal and took his life and the place of the sinner's life. So you go right back and you see the first thing when man sinned, it required the taking of another life, life for life. Amen. So in the Old Testament, the sinner would bring a lamb. 
And he would place the hand of the lamb or his hand on the lamb while the priest cut the lamb's throat. And he felt the bleeding. And he heard the bleeding. And he felt the body stiffen in death. And he saw the smoke of the sprinkled blood ascend to God. He knew that that lamb had taken his place. He knew that the lamb's life had been forfeited for his. But the life of that lamb was animal life. And it could not come back upon the sinner making him clean. So he left with the same desire to sin. And he would go out with sin in his mind and would come back with a sacrifice for the same thing a year later. But in the New Testament, it is not so. Hallelujah. Our dying lamb is the son of God who gave his blood as a ransom for many. By faith. Now listen to this church. You see, by faith, we walk up and place our hands upon that lamb. And we see him with his bloody wounds. And the lacerated back, the cruel thorns tearing his brow. We feel his pain and hear him cry, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And what happened? The life that left that broken blood cell came back upon the repented one. And that life that was in him came back upon us. And we go back with no more desire to sin. And we now possess a hatred for the works and the lust of the flesh. Now let me just say to you, if what is being preached does not result in that kind of experience. If your doctrine or your faith doesn't allow you to walk up and put your hands upon that lamb. Amen. And see his bloody wounds and his lacerated back and the cruel thorns that is tearing his brow. If your faith doesn't allow you to touch a high priest with a bloody sacrifice, but just acquaint you with a doctrine, you're just offering them a bloodless sacrifice. Amen. This is, this is, a, this is just a cane offering bloodless worship. This is why that, you know, that people today are filled with such murder in their hearts. And they try to kill those who really do worship in the spirit. This is why the murder spirit is in the hearts of some men who wants to take away inspirational songs that bring people back to the heart of worship. Amen. The heart of worship should be about a love relation with Jesus Christ. Amen. It should, if your faith doesn't take you first to Calvary. Amen. Let me tell you, any revelation, that's what I'm calling faith. If your revelation, if this great mystery doesn't take you first to Calvary. Where you're crucified on the cross with your sacrifice until sin nature is dead. You'll always be like Cain. And then attract and murder those who have spiritual worship. Now, this is why there's no miracles in the churches. This is why the signs don't follow them that believe. They believe in a lie. They're worshiping under a bloodless worship. Even the foolish virgins, Brother Random said, they go through the tribulation because they think they're under the blood, but they're not. But I'll tell you what we want. We want blood in our worship. 
Amen. What is the blood? It's the spirit. It's the life that was in the blood. And we want, we want it to flow down and cleanse it and take starchiness out of us and unbelief out of us and put a real worship back to God with a holy life, with a dedicated life. Amen. Now, it's the evil of denomination that offers atonement without blood. Remember this. We must have blood with our atonement. Nothing else will do it. And as I said, you can have a doctrine. You can have great mysteries. You can know many, many things about the Bible. But until your revelation brings you to the point where that you see a bloody sacrifice, where you lay your hands upon him, and your sins are transmitted from you to him and his righteousness flows back to you, all of your great revelation is in vain. It's just a Cain offering. Now, in the sermon this morning in church age, Brother Bradham explains about that blood cell. He said, look at us. He said, what is our life? Just one little cell that came from our father. The female doesn't have the hemoglobin. She produces the egg. She's the incubator. But the blood comes from the male. That's why the woman takes the man's name. The children take his name. The mother is the incubator for the children she bears him. And this is what has happened for our redemption. The Holy Ghost came upon Mary and she bore a son and called him Jesus. The great creator came down and became a sacrifice for our sin. His blood was the blood of God. How many is with me this morning? Amen. That's exactly what it was. That blood of God was shed and the spirit left him as he died in agony. Then the same life, spirit came back to indwell the repentant sinner and set him free. And that sinner did not have to come back year after year, sacrifice after sacrifice. For there was no need but by one sacrifice, once and for all, he has been set free from the dominion of sin. And has received the life of Christ whereby he reigns in victory over sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Oh, glory to God. I'm glad to be speaking to a victorious church this morning. God did it. He did it all. He cried out to the world cursed in sin. I will give you a sign. A virgin shall be with child. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And this will be your sign. It will be an everlasting sign. What she brings forth will be Emmanuel. God with us. Hallelujah. God came down in a blood sale. Don't you ever forget this. Don't you ever forget how he became kin to you. God came down in a blood cell. Not through man, but by the Holy Ghost. And in that virgin womb, uh, uh, in that virgin womb, a tabernacle for the purpose of death was built. The seed of the woman came in order that he be bruised to bring us our salvation. 
And when the Holy Ghost came upon Mary, he created within her womb the cell that would multiply and become the body of our Lord. And that cell was created. It was the beginning of the creation of God. That's who Jesus is. And that Holy One was filled with holy blood, even the blood of God. The tabernacle came to birth. He grew to a man. He went to Jordan, and there that sacrifice was washed of John in the river called Jordan. And when that acceptable sacrifice rose up out of the water, God came and dwelt him, filling him with the Spirit without measure. And when he died and shed his blood, the perfect life of God was liberated to come back upon the sinner who would accept Christ as his Savior. Amen. What a wonderful plan. Oh, how striking it is. Jehovah born crying over a manure pile. Jehovah born in a manger of straw. That's your everlasting sign to the proud and puffed up pseudo-intellectuals that have evolved their own theology and denied the truth of God. Jehovah God, a crying baby in a stinking barn. And then we think we have a right to be proud, holding up our noses, criticizing and acting as though we're somebody. Here's your real sign. This is the right one. Jehovah playing as a boy. Jehovah working in a carpenter shop. Jehovah washing the feet of fishermen. I'll give you a sign, said God. Not the sign of a white-colored priesthood. Not the sign of wealth and power. But there's nothing in this sign you want or think is suitable. But it is an everlasting sign. It's the greatest sign of all. Jehovah standing in the courtyard bruised and bleeding with thorns on his brow and spit on his face and mocked and said it not. Jehovah despised and rejected, hanging naked upon the cross while hypocrites jeered and and dared him to come down off the cross. Jehovah dying, Jehovah praying and nothing happening. Then Jehovah died. That is a sign for all men now. There's not another like it. It's the great one. Hallelujah. May that be our banner. May that be the everlasting sign we're under today. Amen. Is that we have a sacrifice. Amen. Yeah, we we may have faults and we may have failures. There may be sickness in our body. There may be diseases that come. But we have a sacrifice. We have an atonement. We have someone we can go and lay our hands upon him. Hallelujah, receive of those virtues. That's what our revelation ought to include this morning. It ought to include that righteous one who laid down his life so we could become righteous. Then he said after his death, then darkness came on the earth. They put him in a tomb. There he laid there three days and nights until an earthquake shattered the gloom of night and he came forth. Jehovah came forth. Jehovah ascended on high. Then Jehovah returned to indwell his church. Amen. Jehovah came back with a rushing mighty wind and flames of fire. Jehovah came back to walk in the midst of his church and empower his people. Once more, Jehovah came and this time to stay in his people. Amen. Again, again, Jehovah heals the sick. 
raises the dead, manifests himself by the Spirit. Jehovah came back speaking in tongues and giving the answer back in interpretation. Jehovah came down. Oh, don't you remember when he came down to you? Amen. Jehovah came down and he raised the prostitute uh, to, to sin no more. He came down to the drunkard with fly blows on his face as he lay unconscious in the gutter. Yes, Jehovah came to manifest in the flesh and manifest through flesh. Jehovah came, God in us, the hope of glory. Yes, Jesus came and shed his blood, led the captives free. He came and redeemed his lost sheep. He gave them eternal life and they will never perish. He will not lose a one of them but will raise them up at the last day. Hallelujah, the second death cannot hurt them. Amen, it has no power. It has no power over them, for they are the lambs, and they follow him wherever he goes. Amen, oh, aren't you glad you belong to the lamb? You can get ready to switch programs for me. Amen, now notice here, it, it was God came down to dwell in flesh among us. It was God that would come to become kin folks to take away our sins. And in the redeeming church, he took the debt that we could not pay and that he did not make that we had foolishly done and a wasted life and wasted years and he took it there and paid your sin debt. I say, what a savior that is. What a kinsman that is. That God would come down among us. Amen. 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 Oh, that's not something of 2,000 years ago. He's right here in his people this morning. Jehovah coming down to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to confirm his word one more time. This is our God. Now, There's a question book. And we see him in Revelation 5 coming down to this question book. And he comes to claim the book. But to claim the book is only the beginning. Releasing its seals is, is only giving faith a revelation to his people. That this book is theirs. It's all a process of his redemption. It is not the ceasing of redemption. It is the continuation of redemption. It isn't that redemption is over. It is that redemption is being finalized. Amen. Amen. Being fulfilled. Now, Brother Branham would say in the breach, he hasn't claimed it yet. You see, he hadn't claimed it. See, if he took the book of redemption, everything that Adam had and everything that he lost, Christ redeems back. And he's already redeemed us. Where did he redeem us? At the cross. By one offering. He paid for all the sins of all the seven ages. He redeemed us at the cross. Is that right? But he hasn't taken possession yet. Amen. Oh, no. Taking even the book is not him taking possession. It is only taking possession of his title and his claim for redemption. 
All right? Now, he cannot, notice, he cannot, watch his words now, he hasn't taken, he hasn't taken possession yet. He cannot until the time appointed. So there's a time appointed he's going to take possession. Amen. But notice, when it happens, then will come the resurrection. And then the earth will be renewed again. That's for the millennial reign. And then he will take the possession. His possession, which he got when he redeemed us, but will do it at the appointed time. So the appointed time includes the resurrection. It includes the rapture of the church. It includes even renewing the earth. Amen. Amen. And then he will take possession of the earth and be the king of the earth. And and were that the first man, man, Adam, lost the kingship of the earth, the second man, Adam, will regain the kingship of the earth. He'll take control. Now, because why? Of his redeeming works. So he will claim, in his claiming work, he will claim both the living and the dead. Hallelujah. Amen. The living and the dead. So the claiming work isn't over until the resurrection. That's right. That's exactly right. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so you see, it's all a part of his great work as kinsman redeemer. This is his process. This is what he's doing now. Amen. Finishing up redemption. Giving faith to the elect. Getting them ready for a resurrection. That's what this message ought to do for you. It ought to get you ready for a resurrection. Amen. Now, we're going to look at Revelation 5 and 6. When the call rang out for a man who was worthy. It's a lamb that stepped forth. Why? Because God became a man, the kinsman, to purchase us with his own blood. So if, if you look here in Revelation 5, and, 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 he, and he tells us in Revelation 5 and, and 6, and I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne, and, the, and of the four beasts, and the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes. Notice, he was a lamb. Stood a lamb. I want you to notice this. A lamb stepped forth. This is not a lion. He's not coming as a king. He is coming as intercessor. He has to take the book as an intercessor, as a kinsman redeemer. Yes, he is lion. He is a king. But he's not yet king of the earth. He is our king. He's king of saints. And we have a kingdom and that kingdom is within us. It's not of this world. Come on, somebody. Amen. So it's not an earthly kingdom yet, but there's going to be an earthly kingdom. And everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. Oh, yeah. He had, it was a lamb as it had been slain. So notice what took the book. It would be the lamb taking the book. Now, he is not changing roles. He, he, is, he is in the process of becoming king of the earth. 
but he first has got to do and finish his work of kinsman before he reigns on the earth. He's got to do the role of kinsman redeemer, and that also includes the role of kinsman avenger. Now, so we see in verse 8, and when he, the lamb, had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders. Now that four and twenty elders represents the entire bride of Old and New Testament. The twelve patriarchs representing Israel. And the twelve apostles representing the bride. The church. Come on. And there they fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Why is this? They had been praying all of these years for his coming, for the resurrection. And here they hold them. And then they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals, for thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood. I want you to understand the book is redeemed by blood. The people of the book are redeemed by blood. It took blood to redeem us. No other price could do it. Amen. Nothing less than the blood of God. And here God would become the kinfolk in order to make a, bring a blood that could make a proper atonement. Because the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. Now, so you have redeemed us by thy blood. Out of every kindred tongue, that's nation and people and nation. Notice from all languages, people and nations. And it would tell us in verse 12 that the lamb is the one that is worthy. Notice they are not singing worthy is the king or worthy is the lion. Because they're not crowning him as king. The crowning of him as king of kings and lord of lords doesn't take place until, the, until Revelation 19. Amen. When he comes back with his saints. Are you with me? Then he comes back as a crown king, taking over the earth. But right now, he's not king of the earth. Amen. Satan is the prince of the power of atmospheres. He is the prince of this world. He is the god of this evil age. He is the Satan is the one that is worshipped here except by a few of us. Thank God we got a different god than Satan. Amen. But notice he is our king. But notice they're not saying worthy is the king or worthy is the lion. But they're saying worthy is the lamb. And it's the lamb that was slain, and he's worthy to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. He is the one worthy to receive the kingship. He is the man worthy to pick up where Adam fell. He is the man worthy to become the king of the earth. But he does this he does this as the lamb. In order to, do, to become king, he has to become kinsman. 
And without becoming kinsman, he can't take possession of the earth. Now, notice he is king, but he hasn't taken the millennial throne yet. Revelation 5, 13. This, this process of redemption continues in this scene. And remember, this is a scene of his redemption. And, and it, it continues until every creature which is in heaven, on the earth, under the earth, such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and upon the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and living, four and twenty elders uh, fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. Notice this. So we, we can see here that it continues till all creation worships. And the groaning for the earth is over with. And it's, as long as the world is in a groaning condition. Are you with me? Under the reign of Satan, they're under a groaning condition. And as long as they're under a groaning condition, then he's not king over the earth yet. But when he comes, all the groaning will be over. And it will all turn to a worship. Amen. All creation will worship. It will cease its groaning. The trees will quit dying. The animals will quit killing each other. The lion will lay down by the lamb. The king will sit up on his throne with his bride. And together man will rule the earth for a thousand years. Hallelujah. Oh my. I tell you, he, you know, John, when he watched this, Brother Branham thought he got so carried away till everybody, everything, even what was in the sea was hearing John say it. Because he could just imagine himself being there. Hallelujah. He could imagine himself being placed there. What would I do? I'll ask you, what will you do when all the groaning is over? What kind of shouting are we going to do? What kind of praise is going to go forth? What kind of worship you think we get a little wild here? Amen. Wait till we step there. Oh, will I dance for you, Jesus? I don't know. Will I run around? Will I shout? Will I kneel down? I'll probably do it all. Amen. When I make him the king of this earth. When his saints shall crown him. Lord over all. Now. I want you to see Revelation 6.1. It is the Lamb that opened the seals. It was not him doing it as king. As king, he held the question title deed. But the earth was made for man. In order for, for it to, to come to back to his rightful owner, then God would have to become a man. And this Lamb is representing his kinsman work. Now remember, he is not a woolly lamb. He's not this funny looking, odd looking thing with seven horns, seven eyes. And he, he's not some weird looking creature with wool on him and hooves there. And he walks up there, standing there with his, with, on his back hooves and taking his front hooves and, 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 and taking the book. That's not him. It's only symbolic of when the king 
inside his majesty and his robes and robed himself in a pauper's robe like ours. One that could have a headache. One that could get sick. One that could die. One that could bear your infirmities. One that he could be tempted in. Amen. Where he could face everything you face as a kinsman. As one of you. And this lamb is representing his kinsman redeemer work. This is what he did to become one of you. When you couldn't become God and you couldn't go up to heaven, heaven came down to you. Aren't you glad heaven opened for you? Aren't you glad God descended? Amen. He didn't send a second person or a third person. He came himself. Created a body. In the womb of Mary. And stepped into that body. Jesus would say it's not me that doth this work as a human. I can't do this. But it's my father that dwells in me. It's the eternal spirit. That has come to tabernacle of man. There's nobody else could ever say that. Did you hear me? Amen. There was nobody else could ever say that. Amen. All the fullness of God dwelt in him. Amen. Notice, notice now as we look. But he's not just the kinsman redeemer. He is also kinsman avenger. Now I want to show you here in Revelation 6.16. And this is in the sixth seal. And they said to the mountains and the rock, follow us. And hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. And from the, what? Wrath. The wrath of the Lamb. Now, you know many times we get, the, we get a picture of the Lamb and him being just a little meek and lowly. Little, little baby uh, like a goat kid or a suckling lamb in your arms. And they can be so gentle and so sweet. But this is not portraying a gentle lamb. This is, this is showing the ram. And this lamb, this ram has seven horns. Are you with me? Amen. And this, how many has ever heard of a, a battered ram? Well, because, you know, we think of many times of a lamb being defenseless. And certainly Jesus laid down his life. He, was, he went before the shearers as dumb. He portrayed all the part of the innocency and the meekness and the lowliness and the submissiveness and the dying and the blading and the crying. And being despised and rejected. He portrayed all of that. But here is not that same portrayal. This is the other side of the ram. Are you with me? And this is, he's got wrath. Now, you know, if, you, know you, you have the different animals. Every, every animal can defend its, its, its babies in, in its own ways. Maybe some have long legs and they together can outrun the, the predators and they have different ways. But you know, with a, with a goat, 
with a goat, when you walk into the, where a goat is, where a, a buck is, he will, he will get up on his back hooves. He will come up and, and bring his head up like this. And he'll bend it down and wham with his whole body force. Knock you to the ground. That's a goat. But a ram is no, no defenseless animal. When a ram comes, let's say he weighs 300 pounds. He's got his horns. And when he is threatened and his flock is threatened, and by, in fact, the matter is many shepherds have to actually put a blinder on the, on, uh, on, on the rams, on their very heads to keep them from seeing ahead. They can only see sideways. That way, you know, when they, they run, they're only running this way and, and, and they can't get a good aim. Because when a ram comes at you, and there have been a, many a farmer that has been hurt by his own rams. But they will put their head down and run with their full force right toward their target. And bam! With their 300-pound force. And bam! And bam! And bam! Until they shatter their enemy. So what the battering ram was for, it was taking a, a big blockhead of a, of a log and men, eight or ten men get on it, back up and run forward and with all of their weight and force, ram, ram, and ram and hit that gate until it would be crushed. Well, let me tell you, the wrath of the lamb is no small thing to deal with. When he gets after you, when this kinsman gets on, on a trail, there ain't nothing going to stop him because there ain't no blinders on this one. Amen. Amen. He's got seven eyes, seven horns. Oh, he comes with his whole full power, the wrath of the lamb, and it's in the tribulation. He's still lamb. Notice, he's still lamb, but he's avenger. He's changing roles. Amen. He's going to start avenging, bringing revenge upon those who know not God, who have despised his word, who have rejected him, who have persecuted his saints. Are you with me? He's the kinsman. And let me just tell you, friends, let me just tell you, your enemy, the devil, has no chance against him. Amen. When the, when the lamb releases his wrath, things begin to happen. Are you with me now? Amen. That's what we're wanting today, the wrath of the lamb on our enemies, upon our sickness, upon the plague, upon the things that is troubling our brothers or sisters or whatever. We want the wrath of the lamb to come against our enemy. Now this, this would be called the revenger of blood. Remember Numbers 35, 20. But if he thrust him of hatred or hurled at him by, by laying it weighed uh, that, that he died or, or in enmity strike him or smite him with his hand that he died. Uh, he that smote him shall surely be put to death for he's a murderer. The revenger of blood shall slay the murderer when he meeteth him. Is somebody with me now? 
Amen. The revenger of blood. This is what he's called. This is also Goel. Kinsman redeemer. The kinsman redeemer is also no revenger of blood. Shall slay the murderer. Well, the murderer, Satan slew mankind and enslaved him back many years ago. But I tell you, the process of redemption. Oh, brother, there's been a kinsman on his trail. Amen. That will overtake him. Amen. And doing so will restore you. We'll buy back the property. We'll buy you out of slavery. Come on, somebody. But he's also going to be after your enemy. Hallelujah. Satan, there's a kinsman on your trail this morning. Hallelujah. Now, and let me just tell you, Satan, there's no city of refuge for you. He knows every time you put out an eye. He knows every time you put a cancer on God's people. He knows every time you plague them with a brain bleed or with this situation or this sin or this problem. And it's eye for an eye and it's tooth for a tooth. Hallelujah. This is his righteousness. This is his law. It's his honor. To take your battle on. That you can't fight. Christ. Our kinsman. Is on the trail of that murderer. And he'll get him. Amen. Amen. Let me read you. Let me tell you about his plan. He'll get him. And he's going to bind him for a thousand years. And then then he's going to let him loose for just a little while there. And bring him to judgment. And when he brings him to judgment, he will finally cast him into a lake of fire. And everything that he did to you will be retributed back to him. One day you'll be able to look down in that pit and say, is that the thing that bothered me? Amen. Is that the worm? Is that the the low-down skunk of a nothing? Look at him. And you will be able to rejoice and laugh because you had a kinsman. Because a redeemer redeemed you. The revenger of blood. And let me tell you, he has no place to hide. Now, let me read Bible for you. Second Thessalonians 1 and 6. Seeing it is a righteous thing. What's now? What's the wording here? A righteous thing. You see, the work of a kinsman is his own righteousness. These are my kinfolk. It is my own righteousness. It's, 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 why? Well, it's my honor. I mean, it's a righteous thing with God. To recompense, that means to pay back tribulation to them that trouble you. Why do you think the earth is going to go through three and a half years of tribulations? Come on, somebody. Why are, why are they going to go through three and a half years of tribulation? Because God's going to be paying back. Amen. Brother, it ain't going to be no picnic for the devil. It ain't going to be no wonderful kingdom. 
They will howl, they will cry, they will cry for the rocks and the mountain because of the wrath of the Lamb. Amen. Satan will be judged. The, the church system will be judged. The beast will be judged. Just don't be there. Amen. Because it's going to be an awful time. The earth is, going to, is about to go through some of the worst calamities it's ever went through. We're on the border right now seeing pre-tribulation plagues already coming. We're right on the border of it all taking place. Amen. But he said, God will pay back tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest. Amen. What was Ruth doing? Her stage before he took possession, before he took her as his bride and took her in. Now, you say, oh, Brother Tim, he's already taken us as a bride. No, he's in the process. When he takes his bride, he's taken her to the marriage supper. Are you with me? But right now, he's just calling her out to himself. Now, so, but, but right now, we are in the resting stage. Remember, Ruth deciding, and Ruth working, and then finally Ruth resting, and then finally Ruth rewarded. Amen? And our reward is going to get a new home. A new body. Amen. When we sing, I'm not at home in this world anymore. I don't know about you, but I'm talking about this thing too. I'm not at home in this anymore. Amen. It don't mind me the way it used to. It, it, it hurts me. It groans. It, it, there's travail. This old house is in decay. It, its shutters needs repair. Its, its roof is getting thin on top. Amen. It's weathering and turning gray. Here it is. You know, this, this is, this is uh, this old house. But oh, brother, he's going to recompense trouble to those who have troubled us. Amen. Listen, he said, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Hallelujah. You said, well, he has been revealed with mighty angels. Yes, he revealed himself with mighty angels in, in, in Abraham's day. He revealed himself with mighty angels in Elijah's day. He revealed himself in, with mighty angels. Is somebody following me? Yeah. Amen. In Jesus' day, he revealed himself with mighty angels in, in our day. But he's going to reveal himself with mighty angels. And when he does, it's going to be with flame and fire. Taking vengeance. So he's been revealed in many manners, but this revelation hasn't fully come yet. Because he will take vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So this God, I want you to see it back again. Verse 1, verse 6 rather. It's a righteous thing with God. This is God's righteousness at work to recompense vengeance. Now let's just go back to the early scriptures in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 43. And let's just see what he says. How he places God as the avenger. Rejoice, O you nations, with his people. 
For he will avenge the blood of his servants. He will do the work of kinsmen as avenger the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversary and will be merciful. That means he will atone unto his land and to his people. That same word is translated as merciful, is translated as atonement in many other passages of the scripture. So it's the same thing. If he atones, it's mercy. Amen. And Brother Brandon said, never say mercy is over. And so we can say mercy is not over, never say it, then we should never say atonement is over. All right? Amen. But notice, he will rejoice, O nation, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful. In other words, he will atone unto his land and to his people. So you see, he brings atonement and vengeance. Amen. 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 Now, let's go back to that scripture that I love so much in Isaiah 59. And he saw that there was no man. Now, we already get a clue here. In order to be an intercessor, he's going to have to be a man. He didn't see that there was no God. He saw there was no man. He saw there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. So when he looked and he saw the plight of man and he sees there's no man that can redeem them. There's no man that can avenge them. There's no man that can buy them out of sin slavery. Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him. Amen. And his righteousness, it sustained him. So therefore, there was something went out of God that reached all the way down to the earth. Remember, his arm is not short that he cannot save. Amen. Amen. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And the arm of the Lord is when he comes in his power. And here in this case, he's taking on human flesh. So his arm, there was, there, 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 was, there was something comes out of God to bring salvation. And his righteousness sustained him. And that word sustain means upheld him. In other words, it caused him to do it. It wasn't that he had to do it, but his righteousness. For him to be a righteous God, it made him step out. It's my honor. It's my righteousness to do this. I've got to do it. These are my people. This is my creation lost. And they sold him out under, under Eve and Adam's foolishness. But I'm coming down and taking on their foolishness. Taking a debt I didn't owe. Right. Amen. Paying a debt that they could not pay. And he put on righteousness as a breastplate. So you see, his righteousness caused him to do it. And here he puts on a breastplate 
a helmet of salvation upon his head, and he puts a garments of vengeance for clothing, and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Now, wait a minute. Let's go back and let's see Abraham just a moment. Here's a, here is Abraham, and Abraham and, has a big church. I don't know how many there are, but even after the split, they had 300 men. So they have a pretty big church, right? You know, somebody said here the other day, said, you know, they were asked, why don't you go to evening light? So, well, it's, it's too big and God, God, don't, don't, God won't be with big people or big, big churches. Well, Abraham's group was 300 plus men and children, women and children. And so, you know, it's one excuse or another, right? People make up every kind of reasons why they can't come to church. Why they can't be a part of the work of God. I'll tell you, stand before the judge one day and tell him this. Stand before the judge one day and tell him, well, I'll tell you, I didn't like that song they sang. Stand before the, the righteous judge and say the reason why I didn't support the word of the work of God was because of a little petty difference of splitting hairs. All of your excuses are going to be puny. Amen. When you stand there on that day and you find all these reasons why. And God asks why. Amen. Really put some microscope on people's motives and see it really is because of a backslidden sinful heart. Don't hang up on me. And don't shut off the internet. Because I'm talking to you. Now, he put on righteousness as a breastplate. Helmet upon his head. Look at him dressing. This is exactly what Abraham did. Abraham had his brother Lot that he had come along, his nephew. Lot it treated him like a son before he had a son. Sojourned together. Shared revelation together. Yeah. Sat in sweet harmony together. Amen. But, you know, when it seemed to be a delay on receiving the promised son, Lot got impatient and began to stray away and drifted down to Sodom. Well, down in Sodom, of course, he wasn't under the blessings of Abraham. So he gets out from under the blessings of Abraham and is down in Sodom and there's a there's a, the, kid, the other kings that comes up against the king of Sodom. Right. Takes them all away. And, 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 and here Lot, you can imagine, you imagine as he's walking down, his hands behind him, stripped down, maybe nothing, even his good clothes taken off of him. His daughter's there along with him and his wife. And he looks back at her. I told you we should have stayed with Abraham. Gets on down, you know, they're walking along, being beat, hurried up along the way. But you see, different from everybody else, Lot had a kinsman. And it reached the kinsman's ears that, you, that, that Sodom has been taken and your nephew is in captivity. And he didn't spare a moment. It was his righteousness that sent him on a trail 
and he goes running now. He, he girds himself. I can see him. He puts on uh, for righteousness as a breastplate, a helmet of salvation on his head, a garment of vengeance for clothing, and clad with zeal as a cloak. And here, all night long, he runs and goes through, and he attacks, and again, he slaughters the kings, and he brings back his nephew and restores him and all his goods. Why is he? He's a kinsman. What was acting in Abraham? The Redeemer. The Redeemer that would come. So now, according to their deeds... According he will accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands he will pay recompense. Listen, when we couldn't do it, when we could not defend ourselves, when we were in sin's prison, already there was one beginning to work, and he said, Unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful. And his enemy counselor, the mighty God. What? The mighty God. And that word means the warrior God. That God would become human. A son would be born. And the mighty God would become a warrior God. And he would get on the trail of the adversary. Amen. To first redeem the sons that were lost. Amen. That's the first stages of redemption. Redeeming the earth will come later. Amen. But the first stage of redemption is is saving the soul of man and finally redeeming his earth. I'm talking about his body. And we're right here on the verge of that. Amen. Now, notice in doing this, it would be God's own righteousness. If you'll go with me to 2 Kings 9 and 7, you shall strike the house of Ahab, your master, that I may avenge. Now this is God saying, I want to avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. So God began to set things in motion to bring vengeance because I want To bring vengeance. It's a righteous thing with him. Now, even when you go over to the souls of the altar, even though they're more of a, can I call them a more distant kin because they're under the old covenant. And so they're more of a distant kin, but nevertheless, they're in the book of life. There's souls in the altar in Revelation 6.10. And these souls are crying. And I want you to know, they know God's obligation to avenge. They, now, Brother Brandon said, these are not Christians. Because he said if they were Christians, they would be saying, just forgive them, Lord. They would take the same attitude that Jesus did, that Joseph did. Come on. I did this to save life. They do this, you know, they, they, would, they, would, um, they would forgive their enemy. They would pray that there wouldn't be a harm that would be done. You know, all of this. But these souls on the altar are Jews. And they're here and they know God's law of retribution. And they know God is righteous. 
So they cry with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, how holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? So these souls on the altar, they know God as a kinsman. Therefore, they're asking him to avenge. Amen. Notice, they know him as kinsman. So they're asking for him to intercede on their behalf. Vengeance. What about us? You say, well, now wait a minute, Brother Tim. Christians don't ask God to punish people. But we can ask God to avenge us of what Satan has done. We've got a right. Amen. If they would say, how long, O God, how long? Amen. We ought to intercede the same way and say, how long, O Lord, how long? How long, O Lord, how long will you not avenge the blood of your servants? How long, O God, how long will the sick have to lay and not be healed? When we've got a kinsman redeemer, a kinsman avenger, come, come, O avenger. Avenge us of this enemy. You promised by your stripes I am healed. You promised deliverance. Hallelujah. Oh, brother, I'll tell you, friends, I want you just to read what Jesus told us to do. He gave us the parable of the unjust judge. Didn't he? And he talked about the widow coming to him over and over and saying, avenge me of mine enemies. Restore to me what I lost. I've been afflicted and tormented and everything been taken from me. But, he's, but Jesus would give this example as somebody who would pray and not give up. And these souls on the altar were praying and not give up till they got a word. And that word was said, rest a little season. Amen. Give you white robes. I'm going to give you some comfort. But rest a little season because I've got to allow some things to happen. But I will perform my work of kinsmen. I will punish them that have brought this upon you. Listen. Listen. Because, because they were Jews don't mean God wasn't going to avenge them. God's going to avenge the Jews. But let me read this scripture. And shall not God avenge his own elect? How many can say I'm elect? And shall not God avenge his own elect? Which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. I tell you, oh listen now, I tell you these are the words of Jesus. Amen. If we could, it ought to be in red letter. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Amen. Amen. But nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Will he find somebody that knows me as kinsman? That knows my power of redemption? Will he find somebody who will stand there crying out? Come on, kinsman. Come on, Redeemer. Come on, my avenger. Avenge me of my enemy. My enemy is taking away my children. I want my children back. My enemy is taking away my health. I want my health back. Amen. My enemy is taking away my joy. I want my joy back. I'm going to tell you, shall not God avenge his own elect. 
which cried day and night into him a people who will not give up a people who will not stop a people who will say perform the work of kinsmen be a kinsman to me that's what I need I need a kinsman today I need a kinsman for my sickness I need a kinsman for my children for my grandchildren Amen. I need a kinsman for my barrenness. I need a kinsman for this barren church around the world. Oh, let the kinsman step forth. Oh, hallelujah. The call, the call in this day was for a kinsman. Why would we cease calling for a kinsman when the elect cried day and night? To say, avenge us. Do the work of kinsmen. I'm sick, Lord. I need you to come. I'm needy and I can't help myself. My children got snatched away and down in sin's bondage. Down in unbelief. You know what the enemy has done? Be the avenger. I want you to come and avenge you say, he, did, he, he don't do that, Brother Tim. He does his righteousness. Even though he wasn't the king of the earth, he was still king. And he still was, power, was full of power. And when he walked on the earth, demons had to recognize him. And everywhere he went, he tormented demons. Told them to go and they went. Whatever he said, they had to do. Until they begged him. Oh, I tell you, it's time we get the devil begging. Let us alone. Leave us alone. It's not time yet, but we're coming close to time. It's coming closer and closer to full redemption. Hallelujah. And if Jesus made them tremble then, Jesus within you will make Satan tremble now. Hallelujah. That's why you saw the other night right here at this altar when a devil got a hold of one of our young girls there and he had to go. In the name of Jesus Christ. Even though he was growling and saying, I won't come out. I'll tell you, he had to bow to the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because I'll tell you, he is our kinsman. It wasn't me at work. That was our kinsman at work. One day he'll lay hold of death that works in our body and he'll strip it from its power. Death will have no power and the grave will have no victory. Redemption of our bodies. Let me show you a scripture here. Romans 8, 23. And not only they, the Bible said they're all groaning, all the earth is groaning. So not only they are groaning, but ourselves also. That have received the first fruits of the Spirit. We ourselves groan within ourselves. You know, now Ruth would get the first fruits. He would give her six measures of barley. He would give her things to sustain her. Somebody with me now. Give her, give her something that would sustain her and tell her to rest. And God has given us not just handfuls on purpose. But he's now given us, now he's given us what needs to sustain us 
all the way until we're rewarded. Oh, I'm already rewarded, Brother Tim. I've got Boaz. No, you have the promise. You have the promise. We have Boaz by the, of course, by the, the, the Holy Spirit, and we have that spiritually, but, but really, church, we're still looking for him to come back. Amen. You know, we got all the spiritualizing going on that wants to take place of, of the reality and the, and the, and the corporal coming and the physical aspects of it. There's more to it than just a pie in the sky or, or some um, imagination and where you just imagine that you are a revelation that by faith that you, you're taking it. So, well, I've got a revelation. Well, that's good. But I, I want the substance. I want it to become material. Where it's no more a revelation, it's reality. And Ruth was resting. And that's what we have done. We are here in the time of rest. We have the first fruits of the Spirit, which is the Holy Ghost. But we who have that, we're still groaning. Amen. I mean, even Ruth sitting back there, you know, can he do it? Can he do it? You know, rest, my daughter, rest. All of the Old Testament says rest. He'll come. He came to us. We've waited for him for thousands of years, but he came to us. Just rest. Hold on to the promise. Don't give up. Though it tarry long, don't give up. Stay right there. Amen. Don't go gleaning in another field. Don't don't go and leave the message. Don't go running out for another word. Is somebody with me now? Stay right here and glean. Amen. In this field, but now, here I'm going to give you provisions. I'll give you the down payment. That will sustain you until you're rewarded. And so we still groan within ourselves. We're still groaning. We look at a precious brother, like our brother, like our brother um, there laying in the hospital. And here he's, what a precious man, laying there, dying. Doctor says, no hope. He's groaning. His body's groaning. It's travailing. We travail. Lord, when will it be this this is all over? When will it be? It's a difficult time that we're in. It's a time when many eagle eyes are getting filmed over and they say, well, was this the one or shall we look for another? It's a time where men have, with their unbelief, have thrown every kind of microscope on the message to find every flaw they can. Shout it in your face to take away your hope, to destroy your faith. It's a time, even those that, even when there are those who are still trying to hold on, have become more and more faithless. You know, I just see in pictures of grandparents with their, you know, and, and all, 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 the, all the things, you know, with putting their grandchildren on Santa's knees. And I think, what blasphemy? 
know, how, how could we bless that? How could we like that? How could we think that's cute? We received a message. But people are losing their way. Yeah, I, you know, I, I understand, you know, I understand that, that, that uh, you know, in the way that Brother Branham celebrated Christmas, there would be many people that would judge him as pagan, but he wasn't pagan. He knew that there was a true story of Christmas, that there was, as he said, a truth to Christmas, and there has to be a light shine, but do not become like the world. Don't you mix this with Santa Claus. Don't you mix this with some other pagan tree like this. Keep that holy. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? But you know, again, it's the delay. It's where people are losing faith. It's where people can hardly get a grasp for divine healing. And unbelief is coming. And the more, the more we know about science, and you know, they, they show us. They show us all of the, the, the different things, you know, and, and that we're, we're up against. And, and, and you have to become, as Brother Craig preached, like a little child. And a little child don't understand what the doctor says. Don't understand all the scientific stuff, and it means nothing to them. Amen. And they, with hope, they believe in hope. And they pray when the prayers seem like it's useless. You know, it would take a, it, listen, it really, really would take a childlike faith to stand before a mighty mountain and say, think that words can make it move. But Jesus told us to do this. Is that right? To forget your human thinking and become so simple that you can really believe. Can you stay with me a little while longer this morning? Amen. Listen here. How can we say redemption is over when we're in the very throes of redemption? The Bible said that we groan within ourselves waiting for the option that is the what? What? Redemption of our bodies. Well, redemption is over. Well, is your body changed? Then redemption ain't over. As long as I'm here in this tabernacle of humanity, redemption is not over. As long as I'm still groaning, redemption is not over. He's still my healer. He's still my savior. He's still my kinsman. He's still my bloody sacrifice. He's still my atonement. He is my mercy. So how could we say redemption is over? When our bodies are still not yet redeemed. So, well, my soul is redeemed. Well, don't get ahead of yourself. There's a redeemer for for the Gentiles. There's an intercessor until we're changed. That's all the way to the rapture. And I ain't talking about a phase of the rapture. I'm talking about the fullness of the rapture. So no notice, God has not forgot. God has not forgot now what the enemy has done. He's not forgot what the enemy has done to you. God's got a memory bigger than an elephant. He don't ever forget. 
unless he puts it in his bud. Then he forgets. There's only one thing that can make him forget, and that's what he atones for. The rest of it, he keeps an account. Amen. Amen. Even Cornelius, do you know, his, his giving, his giving and, and, and giving of alms came up before God, and God said, I remember his alms. Therefore, I'm sending him to you. I'm sending Peter to, you, to, to him. Now, notice... But notice now, God doesn't forget like that. But in Revelation 19.2, he says, For true and righteous, I want you to see how righteousness goes with his kinsman work. True and righteous are his judgments, as he has judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and has avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. So this is him. He has avenged. This is the tribulation. He will avenge. Why? Out of righteousness. Now, even look in the tribulation. It's the blood of the Lamb that has saved a multitude without number. Now, I'm trying to show you something. It's the Lamb in the tribulation. It is the Lamb that will be seen with the multitude without number. The church after the bride is gone. It is the Lamb that will be seen with the 144,000. So you see, he doesn't cease to be Lamb just because he breaks the revelation of the seals. He's still doing the work of kinsmen, Lamb. So now, notice here in, in Revelation 7, 9, You know, sometimes we think, well, only the bride can be saved. That's nonsense. He's right now saving the souls of the church who are not the bride. You think, well, he ain't even among them. Oh, yes, he is. I'll show you in the tribulation, it's shown that he's with them. And he didn't just show up because they actually washed their robes in his blood. Amen. He's been with them all the time. Oh my church, he's not just there for the bride. He's there for every name that's in the book of life. He was there for the souls under the altar. The Jews that was under, killed under Eichmann and Hitler. He was there. Oh, do you know Joseph would say to, the, to, to Benjamin and, and the whole group, and, and, and he would say, well, you know, it was done to save life. But what they didn't realize, it had been him all the time. It had been him giving them the provision, giving their money back, feeding them in the time of fame. It had been Joseph all this time. And all the time, the lamb has been watching over Israel. He was there when Eichmann and them did that. He was there when all them spirits come again. He will avenge. The devil won't get by with a thing. All of his, all of his adversary, the Eichmann, the whole bunch of them will be in the lake of fire. Are you with me? Amen. They'll face the wrath of the Lamb and his judgment. They will not get by with anything. You hear somebody, 
out there in denominations. You hear them believe in God and getting healed. And you say, well, how, how in the world did they get healed? The lamb did it. The devil don't heal. The lamb did it. Amen. They believed on the Lord and received forgiveness of sin. How did they do that? The lamb did it. Listen, we want to get down here and say mercy is over. Mercy is atonement. Atonement's not over. Atonement is atoning for the foolish virgin out here. Atoning for the wise virgin. Atoning for the 144,000. Atoning for the, for, the, for the Jews. I'm going to read it to you in the Bible. This is, this is him. Listen. Listen to Revelation 7, 9. And I, this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And what? They stood before who? The Lamb. So the Lamb even comes and is among them, those tribulation saints. He cares even about them. Look, your God's bigger than what you think. If he cares about the sparrow that falls, well, then why would he care about anybody that called on his name? And just because they got deceived by false prophets doesn't mean that they're lost. Forever the kinsmen shed blood for that. And they stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hand. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. Verse 14. And I said to him, because this multitude, John didn't know them. They weren't his people. Who are they? It was a bunch of Gentiles. And guess what? Guess where they come out of? Now, they were in the tribulation. But they weren't raised from the dead. They wasn't resurrected from the dead. And they were in the tribulation. That means they are alive now. And how many? A multitude that no man can number. An innumerable number. More than you can guess or estimate. You say, well, only the bride's going to make it. Yeah, in the rapture. But friends, there's going to be many more saved. And even out of the worst dark age that there ever was, Laodicea, where they got blinded by false prophets, that just as the Jews were blinded for our sakes, now Gentiles are being blinded for their sakes as the gospel swings back and turns back. And God has a way of provision. Shall I say who does it? The Lamb did this. Well, there ain't no more lamb. He is lamb. Looky here. The Bible said the lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of water. That's eternal life. You see, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. This is a great redeemer. This is a God who has more mercy than you can imagine. 
This is a God who could say to Cain, Cain, but if you'll do right, don't you know you'll be accepted? Yeah, you didn't offer blood, but if you'll come the way of Abel, come on, if you just come the way of Abel, you know, you're, maybe you're always serpent seed, maybe you're always that, but don't you know you'll be accepted? This God that we paint as being the Savior of only the exclusive few is a God who has a bigger heart than what you could ever imagine. That could even say to Cain, Cain, don't you know if you do right, if you come the way of the blood, you'll be accepted? Even though you don't have a seed in you, don't you know there's redemption for you by the blood of the Lamb? You don't have to murder your brother, but if you don't sin, light as the door, Christ just overtake you. You say, well, Brother Tim, that's extreme. Listen, this God is doing some extreme things. So we're in another dispensation. That's right. There's a bride and there's a church. And the church is saved as well as the bride. The bride just goes in the rapture and escapes tribulation, but they are saved before the tribulation. Oh, look at all these sincere people out there and they're all lost. Don't you discount them. God don't. That's right. That's right. There's a multitude without number. And they cry with a loud voice. Got them even shouting. Salvation our God which sitteth upon the throne to the Lamb. Verse 14, he wanted to know, who are these? He said, I don't recognize them. He said, sir, thou knowest. And he said, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, Brother Branham's clear about this because he said, when the bride leaves, there's not another Gentile saved. The gospel turns to the Jews. But as long, listen, as long as there's atonement for us, for one member in the bride to be washed in the blood and to be recognized in the book, there is a chance for the foolish virgin. Don't give up on your loved ones. Don't discount them all. Now, I mean, you know, argue with the prophet. He said they are saved people. He said who some way because of your fault or mine didn't hear the message or was in some way blinded by these false prophets. And there's a blinding going on and they would have perhaps believed. But because of the blinding that's going on has happened with Israel. Israel would have believed. But Paul said if they would have known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And if they would have known this was a message that would rapture them, that they would get in the ark. But they were blinded. Therefore, they're before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. Look here, they're even allowed in the temple. And him that sat on the throne shall dwell among them. And they shall hunger no more, neither thirst no more. Neither shall sunlight on them, nor even any heat. And the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them. 
and shall lead them unto fountains of living waters. You see, you already received the fountain of living waters. That's why you're going in the rapture. Because he that truly believeth on me, as the scripture has said, through repentance, baptism, in the name of Jesus Christ, receiving the Holy Ghost, amen, shall out of your innermost being flow a river of living water. But these don't have the living waters. So after, after they, they uh, come through the tribulation, they are led into living waters. Notice, and God shall wipe away their tears. Now I want you to look at the adventure at work. I may go a little long this morning. You'll just have to bear with me. It'll be nothing unusual. So Revelation 12 and 7. Because here is the overthrowing of Satan. And remember this is a process. It's not a moment twinkling eye bent. There's been a war that has been going on with Satan to, to overthrow him. And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon fought in his angels. I love this. And prevailed not. He don't win. Neither was there a place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan which deceived the whole world. And he cast him out into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. Now, so you can see. Here's a great battle between, between the kinsmen as he throws Satan out of the heavenly places because he is making ready for the bride to ascend as Satan is cast down. Because the place that he is in as prince of the power of the air, which is which is of Adam's position as he controlled the atmosphere of the earth. But he is about to be cast down as a bride ascends to take that place once more. Are you with me now? Now in the fourth seal, Brother Branham especially tells you what will happen. He says, and notice, he shall be given a heart of the beast. He's talking about the Antichrist, the false prophet. Um, it will be, will be given a heart of a beast at that time. And Satan will incarnate himself. Yeah. Now notice, we've already had a man who the fullness of God dwelt in. That was Jesus Christ. But we're about, we're about to give, the world is about to give way to the coming of the Antichrist. Where Satan will take over a man and whom will be the very heart of a beast. Where Satan will incarnate himself in a false prophet. Amen. Amen, Which we believe to be the Pope. Amen. Amen. Because when the bride goes up. Notice. When the bride goes up. When she is Change, raptured, resurrection. You say, Brother Tim, the bride's already going up. She's already sitting with him. Listen, the bride isn't there yet. She hasn't raised from the dead. There's still a large portion of the bride, the church, that is still in the grave. When the church goes up, Satan is cast down or out. See, then it's done. Then all of his accusing is done. Amen. He can no longer accuse us once we get our body changed. 
But as long as we're in this flesh, Satan has a right to accuse us. Watch now. The church goes up, Satan is cast out. Notice, it's done. All his accusing is done. Now as long as, look, as long as the intercessor is still on the throne... Satan can stand there and accuse. So here it works the same way. As long as Satan can accuse, the intercessor is still on the throne. As long as the intercessor is on the throne, Satan can stand there and accuse. Same way. works the same way. As long as Satan can stand there and accuse, we need an intercessor on the throne. He is the opponent because he's the attorney on the other side. He's the opponent of Christ in Christ. He's standing there. The opponent is standing there saying, but wait, Adam fell. Adam done this. I conquered him. I got his wife to believe a lie. And you said she would be damned by it. I haven't. But there, here is the mediator standing there. Notice this is the fourth seal. And here's a mediator standing there, amen, the kinsman redeemer, amen, standing there with that blood that can take the vilest sinner's heart and change it. The mediator is on the throne. See, yes, sir. And Satan said, but they're guilty. And he said, but they're not. Here's the battle. Satan says, you're, you're guilty. He says, you're not. Amen. He said, you're justified. You never did it in the first place. But Satan still stands there and accuses and says, but you're not. And try to make you doubt what he did for you. But he said, but you're the pure, sinless, virgin bride of Jesus Christ. You never did it in the first place. That Clorox was invented or manufactured to take stain, take the color and out of ink or any other stain. They got it. It'll break up until you'll never find it again. It goes back to gases, goes all the way back to cosmic light, past molecules and everything else till it turns back to the original where it come from. It's a creation. Had a creation, had to come from a creator, but all the chemicals that was manufactured and put together, they broke up. They're broke up, and that's just all there is to it. There's no more of it. Even the very, the very water substance it is blends with the Clorox, which is ashes. Amen. Glory to God. It's all clean. That's what the blood of Jesus Christ does to the true child of God. When he confesses that sin and stands there justified in his mercy goodness, even it's so great till God said, I can't even remember it anymore. And he's absolutely my son. Yeah. Hallelujah. What's these next word? Verily I say unto you, if you say to this mountain be moved. Now we're not talking about humans now. We're talking about redeemed sons. Amen. Now we're not talking about being a little silly child and, and, and trying to believe something that ain't can't happen. We're talking about a redeemed son that knows it can happen. Are you with me now? A redeemed son that knows his God and can do exploits. Amen. I'm trying to get somewhere now just a moment. I just hang on. 
Amen. It takes me a little time. It's I'm like being on the trail of the Avenger. He's been on it a long time. I'm on this trail this morning. Don't let me catch him now. Amen. We're going to overtake him this morning. Amen. He said, you're a redeemed son. He says, amen. I know it's true. Do you know it's true? Amen. Now, but right now, regardless of how much he says we're justified and our sins are gone, the accuser is still saying it's not true. And he's trying to make you disbelieve what God did for you. So I want to show you in the future home where Brother Branham says that Satan is still the accuser. He says, Satan is still here. What? Satan is still here. That's the reason all these things happen. He's still here and all his evil forces are still here. And now that's why the earth is so filthy. That's why the scum and ridiculous things that goes on. Bloodshed, war, politics, sin, adultery, all kinds of filthiness goes on. is because Satan is the ruler of this earth and this atmosphere. You say the atmosphere? Yes, sir. Both the heavens and the earth now is contaminated with devils. That can accuse us before God. Jesus is there to intercede for us. Hallelujah. Oh my. Now church, the devil says you did it. Jesus says you didn't. That is covered with his blood. Come on. That you never did it in the first place. Now it all depends on who you're going to believe. Satan knows it's true what the blood did for you. But, you. but do you know what the blood did for you? Hallelujah. Do you know the power of this blood? Jesus is there to intercede for us. Amen. I don't care what the scoffers say, what the unbelievers want to say, what all the theologians around the message say, but this prophet said Jesus is there to intercede for us. And while the accuser keeps pointing the finger, they did this, they did this, they did this. The blood still covers. He came to redeem that elected that he foresaw, and that's why it's so filthy today. It's because Satan is still right now prince power of the air atmosphere. Trying to keep your atmosphere under cloaked with unbelief. The jubilee trumpet is sounded and you're still there deciding whether to lay down your hoe or not. Am I really free? But let me tell you, the blood still covers. Did you hear what he said? The blood still covers. He came to redeem that elected he foresaw. That's why it's so filthy today. But the blood still covers. Oh my. In the message absolute, Brother Bradham said, you day people talk about devils and don't even know what, they're, what they are sometimes. That's right. But you run headlong into them every day maybe. But you will notice. And after a while, he was accusing me. You see, Brother Bradham would even be accused by him. 
and said, you have no power with God. You're just a bluff. You have no power. Can you imagine if Brother Branham with thousands upon thousands of miracles, signs, wonders, discernment, healings. Are you with me? Amen. And Satan can come to say and tell him he had no power with God. And, and that you're just a bluff. You're a fake. In other words, what will the devil try to tell you? What's the devil trying to tell this church this morning? Oh, you know, you're just like them all. You're just another denominational group. You're, you're just another ism, a schism. You're just, uh, listen, listen. He has been accusing us and saying we're just a bluff and we have no power with God. And he said, I said. What do you say? Come on. He's been talking to you this week. Now, what do you say? I said, Satan, you are an offense to me. Get out of my way in the name of Jesus Christ. And he left. And he left. And he left. And he left. And he can't stay here this morning because there are people who are believing people and can say, look what the blood has done. Look what the blood has done. I was a vile, wretched, miserable sinner, but look what the blood has done. I am redeemed. How can I overcome? Brother Brandon said overcome is to recognize the devil in every one of his tricks. Amen. Lots of people say there is no devil. Now, you know, they want to come. Well, he's no more the atoner, so he's no more the accuser. Listen, they want to say that he's just a thought. Don't you believe that? There is a real devil. He's just as real as you are or anybody, a real devil. And you must recognize him as real. You must know he's a devil. Then the same time that you recognize him and know he's a devil and he's against you, then to overcome you must recognize that God in you is greater and mightier than he is. That the one that's in you has already overcome him. And by his grace, that's favor, you are more than a match for him. That's real overcoming when you recognize. Now, let's just look at this rapture. How are we going to go in this rapture? This is a rapture by blood. It's not a rapture without blood. Look in Revelation 12.10. And I heard a loud voice. Remember Satan's cast out. When he's cast down, the bride goes up. Brother Branham teaches this in the seals. He said, when Satan is cast down, the bride goes up. He says, now, so, so we, can, we can safely say that Satan is cast out in Revelation 12. The bride goes up in Revelation 12. It's a scene. It's a scene that's a process of time. It starts back in Revelation 12.1 of this woman uh, where that he where the, the, the red dragon stood before the, the, the woman that was going to give birth to the Christ child. And he was raptured up into heaven. And then, then, then there was a, a, a war in heaven. And this war now has been going on for heavenly places. <laughs> then we finally come to the rapture time. And when Satan, now get the picture, Brother Branham tells us, gives us a key to this. When Satan is cast down, 
the bride goes up. So we see him cast down here in Revelation 12. I just read it. Now in verse 10, you're going to see where the bride is now in heaven. Because then I heard a loud voice saying, where? In heaven. Now I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, these are the raptured saints. Now, and here's what they say. Now is come salvation. Remember this? Now we think salvation came 2,000 years ago at Calvary. No, now comes total deliverance. Now here comes the fullness. That was the initiation. Now here comes the whole product. Amen. And what? And strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Here's where the full power is shown by rapture in the church. Amen. For... Here's the reason why his power is shown. The accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Are you with me now? And they overcame him. Is there a they here this morning? And they overcame him. Amen. How? By the blood of the Lamb. So the Lamb's blood raptures a church. Without the Lamb's blood, you're not going in the church. The Lamb's blood gives you the power to overcome. Hallelujah. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, confessing that the word was true, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Amen. Now, all will be deceived except those who are in the Lamb's book of life. That's Revelations 13 and 8. So all that dwell on the earth will be whose names are not written in the book of life. Of the Lamb slain. So you've got to belong to the Lamb. Amen. Now, after the bride is raptured, Christ is not yet king of the earth, but he's still the Lamb. And redemption is still ongoing. Let me just get it to you. He does not cease being a lamb when the bride is raptured. He continues his redemption work even in the tribulation. So now we're going to see him here um, when it, before that he becomes king of the earth. And he's still claiming his subjects that now he goes to claim all that are redeemed. And there's 144,000, which is the remnant leftover of the Old Testament saints. And, and, and could I say they are, they, they are Jews? And this is why I say that. And the Lamb stood on Mount Zion and with him 144,000. So even in the tribulation period, this is Revelation 14.1. Do I have that? All right. Good. So the Lamb stood on Mount Zion with him 144,000, having his Father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed. What? I thought redemption was over. These were redeemed from the earth by the Lamb. 
Redemption was only over for the Gentiles. You missed going in the rapture. And then the remnant was thrown into tribulation, having had washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb, and there's not another Gentile saved, but he's still saving. And he's still sealing, and he's still giving the Holy Ghost. He's still redeeming. After redemption is over for the Gentiles, he's still the Lamb. So they were redeemed from the earth. All right. These, these are they which are not defiled by the, with women, for they were virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb wherever he goeth. These were redeemed, what? From among men, being first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, means they were not dishonest, they were truthful. Amen. These were sincere believers. Somebody help me preach. And I want you to get this next word right here, because here's where I want to throw it, you know, just really throw some weight into it. For, and they are, read it with me, without fault. Before the throne of God. Look what the blood did. Amen. Now just look what it did for them. Oh, and it's even more for you. You're his bride. And if he did it, if the blood did this for them and redeemed them and their first fruits to God, you're a first fruit unto God. And wherever the lamb goes, you go with him. Hallelujah. And you, there, there's no guile in their mouth. And they are without fault. Before the throne of God. Oh, hallelujah. Look what the blood has done. If it's true of them, it's true of the bride. Now let me give you a scripture for you. Let's go to Jude one twenty four. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you, what? Faultless before the presence of his glory in that the throne with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, our Lamb, our Redeemer, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. And how many can say amen? Amen. Present you faultless. The blood. The power of this blood gives you victory over defeat. The power of this blood puts a man on speaking terms again. The power of this blood gives weight to the voice of a man who can say to this mountain, it's under the power of this blood that Moses was able to create. Amen. Brother Branham tells us, and God hiding himself in simplicity, if the blood of bulls and goats could give power to Moses to go out there by the commission of God and stretch forth that rod. What did it? The, the blood of bulls and goats could give a power to Moses. Now, if we have no blood, we have no power. Right, right. Exactly right. Amen. It was only under that blood that Moses had power. 
And Brother Branham would talk about it. And he said, he said, God would put a word in Moses' mind. God thought it, put it in Moses' mind. He spoke it. It became a word. Moses turned around and went back. Maybe not a fly in the country. An hour from there, there was one old green fly begin to buzz around. Half an hour, it was 10 pounds per square yard. What was it? It was a creative word of God that was spoke by the lips of a mortal man. Notice what it was. Under the blood of bulls and goats. Oh, God uses men. God could have used the sun to preach the gospel. God could have used the wind to preach the gospel. But God chose men to preach the gospel. Now, Brother Bradham poses a question. What's the matter with the church today? In my opinion, we're not coming to that sincerity to the right thing for that. If God could do that under the blood of bulls and goats that only covered sin and made a perpetuation for the sinner, but sin was there, only covered over, what can he do through the blood of his son that omits sin? God is not manufactured, but he created a blood that takes away all sin. Then he said in the fourth seal, I believe that blood, that sin will be broke up. When it's confessed upon the basis of the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, the whole seals, Brother Branham is talking about what the blood has done for you. Where it has positioned you. Who you are in Christ. Amen. And he said, that's what the blood of Christ does. I'm, 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 I'm trying to get to time now. The creative power of God is in him. That at least when God can command it to be done, it'll be done. Going on down, you stand in the presence as a redeemed son. He said, I think that now that I see the church is far beyond its standard of living. I think too many times we're probing instead of really coming out and facing the issue. I wonder if this morning this group of people could face the issue. Amen. Of who, what the blood has done for you. Of who you are in Christ. Amen. That you stand faultless before the throne. Amen, that you are not standing there as, as a weak individual, but as a son of God. Black thought. Who know, a people who knows their God, who can do exploits. Oh, Brother Brandon said there's something wrong somewhere in the churches. He comes down to the indictment and he tells us the only place that God will meet man is under the shed blood. And when you turn the blood down, your meeting place with God has been taken away. Amen. God made his first decision in the Garden of Eden. Man would only worship under the shed blood of the sacrifice. That's the only place God met man then. That's the only place God will meet man now. Amen. Amen. Or ever did meet with man. There again. And that's the only place he meets with man today. Today is under the blood, shed blood of the sacrifice. Amen. He'll not meet you. He goes on saying he'll not meet you as a Pentecostal. He won't meet you either saying you're a message believer. He won't meet you saying, well, I got this mystery and I know this. And we, I tell you today, we don't need blood. We got an atonement by faith. He will not meet you. He will meet you under one condition. And that's under the shed blood. When your sins have been confessed and expelled in his presence. And then by the blood. And that blood is always before him. And therefore he can only see you through that shed blood. And your whitest snow. See you've done confessed your. You've con- when you've confessed your sins. Otherwise you're not there and you can't fellowship. And that's the reason. Listen. That's the reason you don't see things happening in the churches. They confess to believe the blood. But they reject the very plan to get to the blood, the word. 
There's only one way God will honor that word. He'll never honor that word to come say, I'm a Roman Catholic, I demand this to be done. You can't do it, Methodists, Baptists, Pentecostals, you can't do it. The only way you can do it is under the mercies of God, through his grace, is to come through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I claim the promise. And if you're really under that blood, God is obligated to that word, but first you got to be under that blood. You see it now? No wonder they can't believe in miracles. No wonder they can't believe in supernatural. No wonder they can They condemn it. That's the reason they condemn it. And back there is the same reason they condemn it today. And they're as guilty as guilty be because it's only the shed blood. And those who would dare, some little brother dares under humility to take God at his word. And walk out there, confess his sins, forget these dogmas and things and stand there under the blood and believe it. They want to call him a fanatic. They want to call him, as I say, it's not a good word to use at the pulpit so you'll understand he's an oddball. You see, but there's only one place that he's going to meet us. And Brother Brandon would say in that next quote, he said, and God will never meet it till it comes under the care of that blood. Now, the power of this blood, it brought squirrels into existence out of nothing. Not three squirrels, but three times three. And then an extra one. God's spoken word. Is somebody with me? How did that happen? A simple man standing under the shed blood. Calling those things that are, that are not as though they were. And speak and call a creation by a man. I'm showing you. I am, I'm referring to you what the blood has done. Where has the blood positioned this people? How come that God put that in our message today? It was showing you what a redeemed, where a redeemed son stands. Are you with me? Amen. This power of this blood, it stopped the storm and sent it back to where it came from. It raised a fish to life. Come on. It spoke a tumor out of existence. It brought salvation to to wayward children. Somebody with me? That's the power of this blood. The power of this blood, it opened the eyes of the blind. The power of this blood went there and and released 152 deaf and dumb children right there in Little Rock, Arkansas in one time. We're talking about the power of this blood. It made the deaf and the dumb to speak. It set the captive free. Amen. It took lost and wayward sinners and made sons and daughters of God out of them. That's what the power of this blood has done. Amen. The power of this blood gave kidneys to Jude. Hallelujah, when a little boy would not even wet his diaper through the night as a baby, and there, after prayer, God changed the scene. Hallelujah, the creative power of God went in there, and there healed that child. Amen. The, the power of this blood, amen, raised up Gary Stanky out of a hospital. 
when he was a man dying, fighting with demons that was howling against his life, trying to pull him down. And there the power of this blood came down and rebuked the hand of death. And he's still alive today, shouting the glories of God because of the power of this blood. Hallelujah. The power of this blood took a boy infected in his eyes with an incurable disease and healed those eyes and made them well. That's the power of this blood that did that for Michael Dexter or for David Dexter. Amen. That power of this blood took a little bald-headed girl among us and put hair back on her head. Amen. We're talking about the Avenger went to work. Amen. The Avenger said that little girl's been tormented enough. She's been humiliated enough. And the warrior God stepped on the scene. Hallelujah. And responded to faith. Somebody with me. And put hair back on the head of a little bald-headed girl. And restored her glory. I'll tell you, if that God could do that for a little girl, what can he do for a church that has lost its glory and lost its power? Amen. He's a restoring God. He's a restoring God. Hallelujah. That that power, this blood, so healed a brain bleed and restored the vision of Sister Karen there and swept over a little crippled child who walked for the first time for the glory of God. Amen. Here just a few, just a few months ago now. Amen. Right here in this church. And we were preaching about this God and his power. And that he's here to do extraordinary things. Hallelujah. God to show you that he's doing extraordinary things. Glory to God swept through this place. And a little lady had a victory dance. And a woman who was dying with cancer. Did you hear me? Condemned to death with cancer. And if the cancer didn't kill her, the medicine would. Are you with me now? Amen. But there that day, it was declared under the blood that her enemy was dead. Hallelujah. She went back. She went back to the doctor and they could find no trace of it. Why? Because the kinsman avenger was here in our midst, avenging us of our enemy. Hallelujah. Oh, this Avenger said, I'll supply all your needs. When we went to Japan, he put in by the spoken word of God, $10,000 in our hands for Japanese missions, showing that he will provide even for your financial needs. Amen. He he would there stand and miracle after miracle after miracle. This church is built on miracles because we're people under the blood. And the power of the blood is on display. Psalm 68 and 1 says, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let them thou so that hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. His wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. 
But let the righteous be glad. And let them that rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God and sing it to his praises to his name. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens by the name, by his name Jah, and rejoice before him. Hallelujah. Amen. That's where I stand this morning. Amen. We're looking at a little brother in the hospital there with a possible heart attack. We're looking at another little brother there. Amen. They're saying we'll breathe his last breath as they remove his tools, his tubes and things from him. We, we see there's still, we still groan. Amen. We're still travailing. Amen. We're longing for that day when there won't be any more sickness. Amen. Where there won't be a thing that's called death. And I'm not afraid of our believers to die. I'm not afraid of one of them to slip beyond into the curtain of time, into that realm of bless. I'm not afraid that there's no land there. We've had a witness that came back and told us the land is good. Amen. Just the other day, one of our saints went across and took a, and no doubt, knelt down on that bluegrass field and, and felt other bluegrass as it come up. And then looked up and watched a host of other ones coming down. The same ones that would come down to meet Brother Butts when he would, yeah, when he would call back to him and, 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 and say, woohoo, and, and scream back to them. And I said, Papa, what is it you're seeing? Oh, are you seeing the other side? He said, Brother Tim, can't you see those big, white, beautiful birds there behind you? Can't you see them there? I said, no, I can't see them, but you're seeing the other side. I said, they're saying something to you. What are they saying, Brother Butts? And he said, they're saying, come on over here. Said, it's my, it's my brother and my sister that has believed the message in their calling. Come on over here. But oh, where is there people on earth that are saying, how long, oh God, faithful and true, where is there people that are beginning to call, come on, come on, come on out of the heavens, come on out of paradise, come on down to earth. Come down and unite with those bodies that the skin worms had destroyed. Come down and let's have a resurrection. It's resurrection hour because the blood has done his work. And we're here in the finishing of redemption. Hallelujah. But even today, as long as there's breath, we have the right to call on the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen for our loved ones. Are you with me, church? Amen for those that are in need, for those that are death door. And today, today we stand there as the children of God. We're saying we're resting on that. We're resting on that promise. We're standing here saying, death, give way to the name of Jesus Christ. Because we are here to triumph. Over even death itself. We've seen, we've seen death cheated right here in this church. Where he had to give way to the name of Jesus Christ. And he's here today. To bring that victory in your life. Oh, we ought to be singing celebration songs. Let the musicians come now. 
We ought to sing praises to his name. We ought to extol his name. Him that rideth upon the heavens by the name of Jehovah. Shah, and rejoice before him. Let me tell you what he is. He is, he is, let let me just read a little paraphrase as they're coming. Michael finds a song to sing. But but he says, the the psalmist says it like this. And I'm through with the the overhead. But the psalmist says it like this. And it's a paraphrase, but it says, let them sing their celebration songs. For the coming of the cloud rider whose name is Yah. Oh, hallelujah. The coming of the cloud rider. He came on a cloud with seven angels. Opened up seven seals. He's coming on with clouds. Amen. One day I will see him and every tongue will confess. Amen. But he's coming for you. The Bible said, behold, he cometh with clouds. What kind of clouds? Cloud of witnesses. Cloud of the saints. Returning back with him. He's coming with clouds. Amen. The cloud rider. To the fatherless, he is a father. To the widow, he's a champion friend. To the lonely, he gives a family. To the prisoners, he leads into prosperity. For until they sing with joy, this is our holy God in his holy place. Oh, Lord, it was you who marched in front of your people, leading them through this wasteland. Listen, he led down. It was a lamb leading with Luther, Wesley, Pentecost. And now this message is under the banner of the lamb. The earth shook before, between your feet. The heavens filled with clouds before the presence of God of Sinai. The sacred mountains shook at the sight of the face of Israel's God. You, O God, sent the reviving rain upon your weary inheritance. We can all testify of that. You remember the refreshing that came by this message. Showers of blessing to refresh it. So there your people settled. Right here in this promised land. There your people settled. And in your kindness... You provided the poor with abundance. God Almighty declares the word of the gospel with power. And this translation says, And the warring women of Zion deliver its message. I wonder who is that warring bride this morning who's, who's ready to go after the adversary for your brother, for your need, for your sister. Amen. Oh, the conquering legions have themselves been conquered. Look at them flee. Look at them run. Brother, the devil's on the run. You say he's on the rampage. You're not looking with my eyes. Amen. I see he's on the run. Hallelujah. Oh, listen. Look, the mighty chariots of God. Ten thousands upon ten thousands. More than anyone could number. God is at the front, leading them all from Mount Sinai into his sanctuary with the radiance of his holiness upon him. He ascends into the heavenly heights, taking many captured ones with him, leading them in a triumphant possession, and the gifts were given to men, even the once rebellious, so they may dwell with Yah. What a glorious God. 
What a glorious God. Can we say that this morning? Amen. He gives salvation over and over. Amen. Then daily he carries our burdens. Our God is a mighty God. Saves us over and over. For the Lord Yahweh rescues us from the ways of death many times. But he will crush every enemy. Shattering their strength. He will make heads roll. For they refuse to repent of their stubborn, sinful, and I say unbelieving ways. I hear God. The Lord God saying to all the enemies of his people. You better come out of your hiding places. All of you that are doing your best to stay far away from me. Don't you know there's no place to hide. For my people will be the conquerors. They will soon have you under their feet. They will crush you until there's nothing left. Oh God my king. Your triumphant possessions keep moving onward in holiness. You're moving onward toward the holy place. Leaders in front, then musicians with young maidens in between, striking their tambourines. And they sing, let all God's princely people rejoice. Let all the congregation bring their blessings to God, saying, the Lord of the fountain, the Lord of the fountain of life, the Lord the fountain of Israel. Astonishingly, it's the favored youth leading the way. I'm talking about the favored youth, this bride of this end time. She's leading the way. Amen. Princes of praise in their royal robes. Exalted princes are among them. And along with princes who have wrestled with God. Aren't you one of those that wrestled with God? Display your strength, oh God. And we'll be strong. For your miracles. I don't know. Have I got the composure to read this? Let me just read it again. Display your strength, God. And we'll be strong. For your miracles have made us who we are. Lord, do it again. And parade from your temple your mighty power. And by your command, even kings will bring gifts to you and have to bow down before you. Hallelujah. God, display your strength and we'll be strong. For your miracles has made us who we are. Your miracles have made us who we are. And parade from your holy temple with your mighty power. Do it again. Do it again. You healed brain bleeds once. Do it again. You made new hearts once. Do it again. You caused those with no breath to breathe again. Do it again. You removed cancer. Do it again. Amen. You, you caused cripples to walk. Do it again. Your miracles has made us who we are. You made us a separated people. Holy unto him. 
This next verse says, God, God rebuke, God rebuke the beast life that hides within us. God rebuke the beast life that hides within us. I wonder if there's anybody here today. God rebuke that flesh. Rebuke that unbelief. Rebuke that beast life. Rebuke that one that's there within me trying to get me to disbelieve. Rebuke it. Rebuke it. Rebuke that beast life that hides within us. Rebuke those who claim to be the strong ones who lurk within the congregation and abuse the people out of their love for money. God scatters the people who are spoiling for a fight. And Lord, I just say that. Rebuke those who for the love of money are preaching false doctrines today. Who won't stay true to the word. Who call themselves strong and mighty ones and lurking in the congregation of the bride of Christ. Rebuke them, Lord. Rebuke men who are exalting themselves and make themselves greater than the prophet and can add to it and take from it. Rebuke them, Lord. Rebuke the beast life that's still exhibited in people till only the life of Christ is shown. Rebuke those who are just trying to divide, scatter God's people with a fight. Lord, scatter them. I just read from you from Psalm 68. Yeah, it was the Passion Translation. But I want you with passion today to look at yourself and say, I'm under the blood. And as a blood, under that blood, I'm on speaking terms. Now I'm going to say to my mountain, how many's got a mountain in your way? How many's got a mountain in your way? I want you to stand and speak to it. Come on. I want you to open your mouth. You say, it's too simple, Brother Tim. I want you to open your mouth. Not as a human being, but as a son or daughter of God, realizing I'm under the blood. And I'm going to ask for my loved one right now. I'm going to ask for my need right now. I'm going to ask and believe right now. Under the blood. Lord, it's under this blood today. We ask for life and not death. It's under that blood today we ask for healing and deliverance. Lord, today we call for the kinsman. Lord, when the offspring of a little animal cries, and that little animal hears, hears the cry of its baby, even a mother deer would stand out and get in the, in the sights of a, of a hunter, knowing that the hunter was there but for the love of her baby. God, if, you would, if they, you would put that in your nature, then how much more would our God, when we call on his name? You know what the enemy has done. Lord, you know, you know how he's howled against us. You know what he's threatened us with. But today, we rebuke him in the name of Jesus Christ. And we take authority over every spirit 
and commanded to go, even the spirit of death in the name of Jesus Christ. And we claim victory in Jesus' name. Amen. For the glory of God, we worship you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we ask for our loved ones, Lord. We ask for those lots that we've seen that's been taken away out into sin and darkness. Bring them back, Lord. Bring them back. Let us, let us go after them with all our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention. I'd like to introduce you. Oh, here he is, the kinsman avenger. And introduced to you this of the good and the right stands a champion role 